There are plenty of people out there who can write sad, terrible, serial killer dismemberment shows. That's not me. But consider me the 30% bitchier Nora Ephron. That's me. That's my brand. (laughs) Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. First-hand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey, everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast. You know it's the podcast for people just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. We've got another awesome show for you today because we have Kelly Edwards on, one of my old buddies who is a veteran producer and creative executive. But before we get to Kelly, I want to talk a little bit about what is going on right now. Now, you know that our economy is starting to come back into play, even though I hope you are vaccinated, I hope you are wearing a mask, you better still be washing your hands, but our economy is starting to become on fire. And you have probably heard things about this great resignation, right? People deciding not to rejoin the workforce or not to go back to a particular role. And and you know what I say about that? I say that right now is a time of transformation in the world, and it should be a time of transformation for you. Now, I'm certainly not advocating that you should not go into work or that you should quit your job, but what I want you to start thinking about is what is changing in your company? What is changing in your world? What can change in your career? Because when there are huge times of change, huge inflection points, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can go on autopilot or you can actually use this as a place to pivot and take your career to the next level. So You know, I always talk about what is that intersection of your great talents and skills with the intersection of your passions and what you love to do. And of course, it's always then the intersection of what are the organizational needs. Well, I will tell you 18 months after the pandemic, 15 months after the murder of George Floyd, when we are talking hybrid work, when we are talking consumers dying for products out there, I can guarantee you that your CEO, your senior leaders, your boss, they have different needs now than they had even a few months ago. So I want you to do a little bit of an audit. What are some of the things that are keeping your CEO up at night? What is keeping your senior team up at night? What is keeping your manager up at night? And how can you retrofit and bring your passions and your knowledge, skills, and abilities to solve some of those greatest problems and find new opportunity within your company? Now is the time to be on the lookout. And by the way, it's really difficult to hire people right now, so it's a great time to make a career move, even 
if it's within your own company. Well, with that in mind, I want to talk about someone who is in transformation right now, and it is the awesome Kelly Edwards. Now, she is a writer, she is a creative executive, and she is a diversity thought leader. Now, Kelly has worked with every major studio in Hollywood. In fact, she was mentored by the legendary director Gary Marshall at Disney and famed producer Laura Ziskin at Sony. Now, Kelly eventually shifted her focus to television, where she served as comedy executive at Fox and headed up UPN's comedy division. After producing a drama series for Paramount, she moved on to NBC Universal, where I met her, where she oversaw diversity for over 20 networks in that per- portfolio. And Kelly spent her final stint as an executive creating HBO and Warner Media Entertainment's Emerging Artist Program. And along the way, She's also produced a Christmas movie for Hallmark. Now, Kelly is staffed on the new Fox drama, Our Kind of People, coming out in September. And her new book, The Executive Chair, A Writer's Guide to TV Series Development, will be released on October 5th. We'll be back in just a few moments with Kelly Edwards. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I am here with a super awesome, fabulous person. It is Kelly Edwards, who is a writer, an executive, and a diversity thought leader. Kelly, what is going on? Oh my God, what is not going on? I feel like I'm I'm never quite sure what city I'm in or what I'm doing at any given time, but I'm really happy to be here. I know you are a crazy, busy person, so I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive right in. Kelly Tell me when you meet someone like at a cocktail party or maybe now it's all on Zoom or on set, how do you explain who you are and what it is that you do? Wow, that's a really good question because I'm I'm right now undergoing a transformation. Yeah. I used to have this down like crazy. And when I was, you know, running the um the writers and directors programs for HBO, I had a very sort of quippy response. And now since I've made this big transition into writing, I'm having to go back and and create and craft a new version for myself. So I would say right now, I would probably say I'm an author, I a staff writer on a new Fox show. And I also dabble in diversity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you do a little more than dabble. (laughs) I like to say sometimes I'm the loud mouth in the room. I'm the person that nobody always, nobody likes to see coming because I'm always the person to point out there's not enough diversity in this. So let's get to (laughs) it. Literally, Kelly, you over the years have, you have coached and helped develop, you know, hundreds of creative folks in the industry. Right. Yeah. For, from the time that I think it really began when I was at Fox, because before that I was in features, I was a feature executive at Sony. When I worked for Laura Ziskin, I was her story editor. I worked for Gary Marshall as a story editor. I had been a reader for New Line before that. 
I had worked at Morgan Creek. So I had this feature career before I even got into television. And before even that, I was a writer's assistant and I'd worked for a manager and I'd worked at a casting company. So I had this sort of very interesting hodgepodge of different, talk about somebody who doesn't stay in her lane. Kelly, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you because you have this like ridiculously diverse career in the entertainment space, right? You know, from being in the corporate offices to being in the production offices to the writer's room. When you think back, what have been a couple of your biggest career breakthroughs? How did you break through in the business? I would say deliberately. (laughs) How so? Well, I definitely made conscious decisions to expand my wealth of knowledge. For example, when I was running comedy for UPN, I'd been there for four years. They asked me to re-up. I turned them down because I wanted to expand. I wanted to not just do comedy, but also do drama. And at the time, the comedy world was shrinking and the drama world was expanding. So I knew that their writing was on the wall. Let me go to a place where I can do both and learn that skill. But, But I couldn't do it at UPN. So I partnered with... Jonathan Axelrod, who had a deal at Paramount. And he, who is one of the master salesmen of all time, taught me how to take out a drama pitch. So we worked with a lot of drama writers. We sold a bunch of drama projects. We ended up getting a series on the air on UPN that lasted for a minute and a half. Nobody saw it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it was great. And I learned a lot. And I was able to then executive produce my own show. Wow. So that was a huge pivot for me. It was, it was necessity was the mother of invention in that respect, because I knew I needed to get out of the buying side and learn how to sell. Also at the time I was, I was approaching 40 or I was already 40. And I was seeing that women of color don't stay inside of networks for a very long time. You don't see us at the top of the heap very often. Mm -hmm. And I knew that it was only a matter of time before a regime change would come in and I would be out anyway. So I needed to make sure that I was protecting my future by creating a new skill set. So I did that. That was a huge pivot for me. I think another huge pivot for me was going from executive producer to corporate diversity executive, because as you know, that's a big, that's a whole other Megillah. That's a, yeah. that's a thing. And, and how, did, how did that even happen? And, and why did you even choose to go into sort of, <laughs> you know, the tower um, as, right. it, as we used to call it on the universal lot, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, this is an interesting story. And this is something that I feel as though has now become a thing with me, which is I call it my Oprah aha moment. So this was a Monday. <laughs> there was a Monday. Jonathan and I were shuttering our company it was June-ish, right? So we didn't get anything on the air that year. We knew that we were going to pack it in. We weren't going to re-up with Paramount. And I needed a new job. And I had a moment where I was sitting at my desk. I was closing up everything. And I said to no one in particular, but out to the universe, I don't know where I'm going, but I know that I want to use the skills that I've acquired in the past in a new way. And at the time, because I'd been executive producing, it's an exhausting, it's exhausting to sell. So many people's livelihoods are sort of on your shoulders. If you don't sell a project for a writer, then it's whether it's the difference between them being able to keep their house or keep their health insurance. And the weight of that is, is exhausting. And when you're going out to pitch and you're sitting in room after room after room, you have to be on 
it just takes everything out of you. And so, and we didn't get paid at that point by that, but that by that time, our overall had switched to a housekeeping deal and we weren't getting paid until we sold something. Ooh. So I'm at this time, I'm culling together. This is how terrible it was. I'm culling together my unemployment insurance, which is like $900 for every two weeks, right? Plus all of the checks that I was getting back from health insurance after I'd paid all my premiums and, you know, all of that, I was literally holding on by a thread and looking at the fact that my husband was about to go on strike because he was a writer in a writer's room. And so they were going to go on strike in 2007, 2008. And I was terrified. We had run through our savings and I just needed, I needed a job that Tuesday the next day, I get a call from my friend, Bruce Evans, yes, who was in the current department at the time. And he said, Hey, do you want to interview for this job? It's VP of diversity. And I said, what's that? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what that is. And he said, well, it's to help NBC hire more, you know, writers, directors, and executives of color. And I said, wait a minute, you're saying that the place that did friends, Seinfeld and Frasier Need someone to come in and help them become more diverse. I'm in. Because as you know, as a person of color, we had looked at those shows and we're, you know, we were just incensed by the fact that they had nobody of color in those shows. Yeah. So I thought, well, this is a perfect in for me. I had been yelling about diversity for years, you know, and at Fox, I had been the person in, in the casting sessions who kept saying, why is this? You know, why is this character not a person of color? I came to blows at one point with a big executive producer about that very issue. So I was always the person ranting in the room about people of color and railing about the fact that I didn't want to see people of color denigrated. I didn't want to see them placed in the ghetto. I wanted to see a diaspora. I wanted... Yeah all different kinds of things in the program, which is what I strove to do at UPN. So when Bruce said, this is the gig, I said, okay, I'll meet. That Thursday, I'm sitting in a meeting at 10 a.m. with Paula Madison, the amazing Paula Madison. The amazing. The phenomenal Paula Madison. And Mar Margaret Lazo, the head of yes. HR. And they say to me, well, we're looking for somebody who can help us source writers, directors, and executives. And I said, well, my background is all of that, you know, of bringing people of color into the fold. And then I also run a nonprofit called Color Entertainment. And by that time I'd been doing it for seven years. I've now been doing it for 20 years. And I said, so I know all the executives of color in town. And I pull out of my bag, my spreadsheet, and I start to hand it to them. And they said, no, 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 no. We want the person who comes with the list. We don't just want the list. And I thought, oh, well, that's great. Because I was planning on just handing it over because my feeling is why why keep that information to myself? Everybody needs to Yeah, know. yeah. But they're like, no, we want, we would like to, you know, this, this job is for the whole thing. Yeah. That was at 10 a.m. I leave the place at 11 by 11.45. I'm doing laundry in my laundry room when I get a call from Paula Madison who says, and I quote, hey, Kelly, let's make magic happen. Wow. And I was sold. Now, when you hear somebody say that to you and a, a shiver goes up your spine, you can't help but say, absolutely. And then she says, what's it going to take? And I gave her a number and she said, done. Wow. And that was how easy it was. I did not. What I didn't know, though, is when you get into a, job, a corporate job, what that means. And when I got into that corporate job, I was 
thrown into the deep end of something that I was completely unfamiliar with, but I doggy paddled my way to the, to the side and, you know, held on for dear life. It was a wonderful <laughs> experience for me. It was a wonder. And, and suddenly I'm the person who's talking in front of 150 people at a time, 300 people at a time. I'm doing panels. I'm stretching myself. I was terrified of public speaking. I took Toastmasters in order to get over that. I had never given a PowerPoint. I asked Paulo, I said, how did you, why do you, how do you do the power? I get my first PowerPoint I gave her was, had all sorts of different colors and gizmos and things flying in. And, you know, it was just, it was a whole circus PowerPoint. And she <laughs> said, no, no, no. This, she said, this is GE. We use the certain kind of font. It's always blue. She said in that way, when you, when you stick it on top of somebody else's PowerPoint, it looks like one thought. And I went, that's a brilliant idea. I'd never thought about it. I didn't know how to do a PowerPoint. And I had to call my dad who was in his, probably by that time he was in his eighties. <laughs> and he knew how to do a PowerPoint. <laughs> so I was learning. I was learning on the job and having to really dig deep and find some strength, personal strength in order to rise to the occasion. Because when you are hired by Paula Madison, you have to, your game has to be top notch. Yeah, exactly. Now, Tell me a little bit about what it was like being mentored by someone like Gary Marshall. It's not easy to be mentored by Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall is, <laughs> he's, he talks in half sentences or he talked, he talked in half sentences. A lot of it was, yeah, the thing and the get on the, yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but he was so wonderful and, and just a dream. And I, I think today, you know, even when I think about how I look at material, I think of some of the things that he said and some of the personal things that he he sort of passed along to me when we were when we were together. He was often off directing other things, but we would we also found that there was a rhythm that we got into. He didn't like to read scripts, so we had to read them for him and then pitch him and if he could see a movie in the pitch, then he would take it on. So, he had a he had a shorthand. He and Blair, boy, they talked the same language. He, she had in the past had been his assistant. So she had been on films with him and knew all of his quirks and, and um, you know, eccentricities. But he was really wonderful. It was a wonderful time. Yeah. And what would you say, what was one of a couple of the biggest things that you learned from being mentored by Gary Marshall or obviously huge producer Laura Ziskin? Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing that I learned from Gary was at one point he talked to me about what you need for a movie. And it was as simple as that. He said, you need five moments. And I think when you when you think about it, it's it's absolutely true. Even when you think about movie structure, there are five big moments in, in a movie structure. But he was really talking about five promotable moments, moments that you where you catch lightning in a bottle. And he said, if you have those five, you have a movie. And he sort of, he walked through Pretty Woman. And I think one of them was the moment where Richard Gere holds open the 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 box. The and jewelry he, and box. It down. Right, right, right. And it's a really big moment. There's the moment in the, you know, where she says, big mistake, big mistake to the, Huge. To the gals on Rodeo Drive. There are those moments that you remember that stand out. And he said, if if you have those five moments, you've got something. 
Wow. And I thought that that sticks with me because I think in my own work, well, is this a moment? Is, should this be a moment? And and am I getting enough out of that moment? And so I do use that. That's one of the big things that I that I take with me. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about your brand. You said you were a, a you're a self-described loudmouth. That's right. Give me three words that describe brand Kelly Edwards. I could say authentic. You could also swap that out for real. But I do think I am what you I am what I am. You know, I don't know how to be anything other than me. And I think I try try really hard to bring that to the table. I would say collaborative. When I'm creating a program or a project or anything that I'm working with, I try to be as, I try to throw things up against the wall. And one of my favorite tricks is to use these big 3M post-it notes. I used to do this all the time at NBC Universal. My office was covered. Every wall was covered with (laughs) post-it notes. But that's how I think. I want to throw everything up and I want to be able to see it on a wall. So I put things up. And then if someone is working with me, I let them come in and they can scribble things on it. You know, you don't take things off, but you add, you keep adding and adding and adding. And even if it's coming up with a name of a program, I want everybody to weigh in. So it's, I definitely like more, more minds in the kettle is the way I want to go. So I'd say that. So authentic and collaborative. Maybe, maybe I'd hope it would be generous. Mm. Because I feel as though when working with a lot of people, whether it's executives that I'm bringing up or it's writers that I'm working with, I want them to know what I know because I don't. And that's like, I think goes to why I wrote this book. I want people to know what the secrets are Yeah, because they shouldn't be secrets. There shouldn't be gatekeepers. Everybody should have access. So I feel as though. If you ask me something, I will tell you. I tell people all the time how much money I make because I don't (laughs) want people to think that there's a barrier. There's nothing that you can do to take that money away from me. So why would I keep it? Why would I need to hold it so close? It's not, why keep that a secret? Yeah. And I mean, it's even that generosity when you were going to hand over the list, right? Of all of the the producers, right? (laughs) Right. Stupidly, I did not know that I could monetize that. But I did. <laughs> I didn't know people would pay for that. Yeah. So I do think I think those are pretty good words for me. Yeah, authentic and real, collaborative, generous. Now, is that something that you feel you've always been throughout your career, or have you sort of massaged and sort of elevated those to the front? I think generous. I've always felt that way. I've. I've always, I think that's why I started Color Entertainment. I co-created that with Bruce because at the time, this is back in 2000, I would look around and see how many of us were being elevated in their in our positions or being able to roll into other opportunities. Or And, and I found that, that we had a harder time. And anytime I found out that there was another job, rather than going it for it myself, I always sp- spread that information out. I would always disseminate that information because I thought not every job is my job. Not every opportunity is my opportunity. I'm not going to be right for everything. And I can't take every job. So why not give that away? Yeah. So I do feel as though that's been part of my ethos, my entire career is let's just give, let's let the universe decide for us and let's 
let as many people into the tent as humanly possible. Yeah. And now, Kelly, how does that brand show up as a writer? I mean, you're sitting in the writer's room right now. You have a show coming on the air in the fall. What's your brand as a writer? And is it different than the brand that you just described? Okay, that's a really interesting question because when I got my managers, they said to me, hey, you can be whoever you want. You can start over. Nobody knows who you are as a writer. You choose. So I wrote a mission statement and it helped like crazy. And one of the things that I say is I love, I love love stories. Mm. As much as I'm a cynic in real life, I love <laughs> love stories. I like happy endings. I like wonder and magic and excellence and joy. There are plenty of people out there who can write sad, terrible, serial killer dismemberment shows. That's not me. <laughs> but consider me the 30% bitchier Nora Ephron. That's me. <laughs> so that's what I say. And I think everything that I've written so far has been that. I'm 30% bitchier than Nora Ephron on the page. That's where, that's my brand. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Now talk to me a little bit about social media because you used to be the queen <laughs> of anti-social media. And yes. then this spring you flew out of the closet <laughs> and you're everywhere on every platform. So I hear from people all of the time that are like, I'm still not on social media. I don't want to be that public person. What's it been like for you on social media? And what are your tips for people who are going to join kind of later in their career? Sure. Well, I, I held off for as long as I possibly could. <laughs> I was terrified of it. I'm still a little terrified of it, but I do it anyway. The real, the trigger for me was the reason I did it was that my publisher said, you need to be on social media. If one of the first things he asked was what's your reach. And I said, well, I have 34 followers on, on Twitter. <laughs> I said, it really hasn't moved in the last eight years since I've been on it. So he said, well, you need to have a profile. This is last year, I don't know, around, around July, August. By November, I still hadn't done it. But I was in the group called, it's, there's a, a group that I'm in that's like six women. It's called the Happiness Mastermind. It's a terrible, I, terrible title. But it's six friends and we challenge each other to step out of our comfort zone. And we also celebrate each other's wins and we bolster each other when we're not in a good place. And that November, my friend Wendy Miller, who ha also has a book coming out that she just wrote that's hilarious. So look for it on Amazon. Wendy Miller, she also has a podcast. And Wendy Miller says, well, we're going to do this exercise. You're going to write three things on a piece of paper that you want to get rid of out of your life and we're going to burn them on the winter solstice, which I think was like the 21st at 9 p.m. It was very specific. And I was confused because I'm in Montana, so I don't know if it's 9 p.m. LA time or 9 p.m. Montana time. But I, of my three things, one of them was to get over my fear of social media and I burnt it. And almost immediately I felt a weight lifted. Almost immediately I felt, oh, I... I can do this. Yes, there are going to be trolls. There are always going to be people who say negative things. That's okay. I'm going to push past that and I'm going to engage with the world because I need to engage with the world. And I love watching people's stories unfold on Facebook and Instagram. So why not engage? So I started to do that. By February, I had 
employed someone to do my website. So I put a website up that took a minute. I started to post more. Facebook actually was the thing that helped me get over my fear of sharing my writing in the first place. So I started to really engage on Facebook. I started to do these breakdowns of pilots, old pilots that I had rewatched, which I'm going to start doing again, which I think was fun. People like that. I started yeah, sharing I music. Those. Yeah. So I started gifting songs to friends. So I really started to do things that made brought me joy that I also thought would bring other people joy because I think at the time we were a year into the pandemic and I was feeling the need to talk about content again. And I didn't feel as though I had enough water cooler talk. You, there, you, there was no water cooler. It was me and my Keurig. There's no, there's nobody <laughs> to talk to. So I wanted to, I really wanted to engage with people and I wanted to have conversations about things I loved, which was television and movies. Yeah. So I started to do that on my platforms. There have been things I've made some missteps. I've tweeted things that I, you know, delete. I've done things that I I have been super super proud of. And in the back of my head, I hear my mother's voice going, "Are you sure you want to put that out there?" <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the book because I know it's coming out this fall. The book is called "The Executive Chair: A Writer's Guide to TV Series Development." The book really flowed out of me so, so easily because part of it was just, I had been collecting these thoughts for the past 15 years, even more than that, because I had always kept a journal. So I have tons and tons of journals of everything that's sort of, I've been through since maybe even my Fox days, if not before. And I have all of these notes. And I just started to download those notes in addition to the fact that I had also been running the emerging artist programs for HBO. So for the past seven years, I'd built a treasure trove of how to pitch, how to write a pilot script, you know, how to introduce yourself, how to craft your personal narrative. So I had all of these, these wonderful PowerPoints that I had developed over time that I then just put into the book. And I just explained wow. my methodology and I explained why we do things that we, the, the way that we do them. And you know, why do we take lunch? What is the importance of lunch? Why do we ask you to pick a lane? There are very practical and, and very important reasons for all of these things. So I just put all of those into one book. So it's like all of your wisdom crammed into a couple hundred pages. I finally got to this place where, you know, where I had all of this information from, from all of those different avenues that I'd per, I had pursued and was able to channel all of that and sort of compile it and say, this is where, this is the important thing that you need to know about entering this business. And there are, there are things like when you're approaching an executive at a, at a panel, after a panel, or how to be the first person to raise your hand to ask a question. And if you don't have a question, I have a great tip for you. Uh, just ask them to rephrase something. So be that courageous person yeah. who asked, hey, would you just mind clarifying this? Because everyone will remember you. Everybody will come up to you and say, oh, that was a really great question, regardless of whether it was. <laughs> but you've all, all of a sudden become someone that people know, recognize, and they will come to you. You don't always have to then seek them out. It's always hard to network yeah. in Hollywood. I find yeah. it's the most debilitating, terrible thing in the world. <laughs> and everybody hates it. Nobody likes it. Although maybe you like it because you're a naturally outgoing <laughs> person. But most people I know are terrified of that. 
And so I give some quick tips to overcome that. I say, bring a friend. So it's, it's, it's all those things compiled into one. Yeah. Well, a couple quick final questions. I was asking you about your brand, but what is, what is your favorite brand? What consumer brand are you obsessed with? What can't Kelly live without? Well, clearly everything Apple, because my whole world revolves around Apple products and they keep making them even better. So yeah. there's always, there's always, I'm always afraid of doing the update and then I do the update. I go, Oh, I like this update. I'm happy about this. So I'm going to probably say Apple is probably my favorite brand because of all of the things that it helps me do. If you were a car, what type of car would you be? <laughs> oh Lord, I would be, I think I actually own the car that I would be. I own two Chevy Volts. I love the Chevy Volts because they are hybrids. And when it runs out of solar power, I can still keep going. So I think it very much represents me. I'm also an organic farmer. We have solar on our house. We compost. I'm incredibly crunchy granola <laughs> in a lot of ways. I'm also a prepper, a mini prepper. So I do have go bags everywhere. I'm a little bit of that nutty person who is afraid that the world's going to end, but I'm desperately hoping that it doesn't. So, and I think that car is the perfect example because if I need to, I can get the heck out of Dodge out of the city as quickly as possible. And if I run out of solar juice, I still can go on gas. So that's, that's exactly, that's my personality. <laughs> to a T. And finally, Kelly, what's the best career advice that you would like to pass on to our listeners? My best advice to everybody out there, and again, this is in the prologue of my book, is imposter syndrome is a time waster. You end up running disaster scenarios in your head about all the things that aren't going to happen. It's just like me in the social media. I ran every, so I was trolled in my head before I was actually ever trolled on media because I, you, you tend to think of everything that bad is, is going to happen. That's what imposter syndrome is, that you're going to be outed somehow, that you're not going to know what you don't know. And it wastes a lot of energy that you could be using to create. So I say take all of that angst and anxiety and put it on the page because then it's actually doing something. So that's my big advice. Wow. Well, Kelly, thank you for being authentic. Thank you for being collaborative. And thank you for being generous with your spirit Aww. and your knowledge. Thank you so much for having me. I First of all, I love seeing you. I love that you're doing this. I think this is so important. And your spirit is just... You, you know, because you're magic, but you, you're, you just, you just exude everything that I think we all need, which is that sort of that enthusiasm, the, the richness of who you are. I just love it. And I'm so, so glad that you and I are connected and that we could do this together because it really is so important to get the word out. Yes, thank you. And the book comes out uh, October 5th. It's The Executive Chair, A Writer's Guide to TV Series Development. And you can pre-order it on Amazon. Woohoo! <laughs> and we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? 
Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. And we're back. I could talk to Kelly Edwards all day long because her experiences in Hollywood and her drive to help other people is just super inspiring to me. You know, she had so many great tidbits and you can learn more when her books comes out in October. But one of the things that I really took away from her was that notion of letting things go. I talked earlier in the episode about this being a great time for transformation. You know, one thing that's key in transformation is you've got to let things go. So I am going to take Kelly's advice and I'm going to challenge you to do the same. What is something that is holding you back right now? What is something that's been in your way that you can let go of? I want you to do exactly what Kelly and her group did. I want you to grab a pad of Post-its because you know I love Post-its and Sharpies. I want you to write down that thing that is holding you back and I want you to ball it up and throw it away or do what Kelly did and throw it in the fire. Because I want this to be your moment where you let go of things that are holding you back and use this point in time for transformation. Well, that's our show for today. If you loved our conversation, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or on any platform where you get your podcast. Of course, follow me on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms and check me out on LinkedIn where I share tons of tips and tricks on how to lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. And don't forget in your career, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Now is your time to transform into a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.